I'll be honest, Justin, I'm surprised you even took my call today. Ever since becoming Mr. Fucking Kinda Funny over here. <laughs> Man, I can... <laughs> woo, I am... Huh. Ooh, I am... I'm just I'm, getting, I getting the messages. I couldn't believe you could make the time for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. After just hanging out with, with the Kinda Funny crew. <laughs> it, we, um, it was, you know, word for word, we had a conversation, and it was great. It was great. You absolutely did. Uh, if you're not if you're not familiar, uh, uh, play the clip, Reggie. Earlier that morning, I had seen an exchange where someone tagged me, Phil Spencer, and somebody else, I forget who, saying, uh, and this is Justin on Twitter, just blindly, I'm looking for a PlayStation portal. Any help would be appreciated. Some guy named Spike's cousin responds, since I'm between Chicago and Wisconsin most weekends, I'll keep a lookout, but it's been bare outside of resellers and their bullshit. Justin responded to Spike. I should have pre-ordered when I had the chance. I didn't expect them to be so popular. Shrug emoji. Spike says agreed. So there you go. That's that's Greg Miller. That's Greg Miller. The Greg Miller. Reading your tweets. Reading our our beautiful follower. His his tweets. Uh, I, I, his like Twitter like name is Spike's cousin. I'm, I don't want to like read you his handle. I don't know if he's comfortable with that. But um. I, like I said, I'm just I'm starstruck that I'm even talking to you. I'm starstruck that you made the time to talk to me. Um, has it have you just is it just been a flow of of of, you know, uh, uh, adoration and all that on Twitter? And, and it's, it's been nonstop. I do want to say there's one thing about that that I was a little bit upset by. And I want to make sure that um, they get their recognition. The other person. Yeah, um, I didn't bes- know who that was. Beside uh, uh, Phil Spencer um, is it's the uh, the common squirrel. Um, I for sure it's I, I'm following it's just a common squirrel. Um, what is that account? Sorry, I didn't really understand what that was. It's a common squirrel. Um, sure, okay, got it. Yeah, uh, they 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 will tweet things like stare, scratch, run, 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 <laughs> blink, blink, sleep, sniff. Um, <laughs> I figured if anyone could help scratch out where I could in fact find this, it would be the common squirrel. He's he's on sure. the ground climbing up trees, finding PlayStation portals for me um yeah well uh in all seriousness it's all seriousness though that's kind of cool huh i know yeah hey, <laughs> like, that's kind of hey, like that kind of made your damn sure yeah, it was like it was like i was getting my hair cut and I, my phone was like blowing up and i was like what's going on here and all of a sudden i see like you were mentioned by greg miller and i'm like what dreams do come true and uh yeah that was it was pretty cool um i'm, I'm just uh I'm just a, a humble guy here, humble guy in a podcast, being read by another guy in a podcast who's quite larger than I am in terms of popularity, fame, notoriety, know-how, experience, you know, all that stuff. I'll say this. Stuff. No hitbox shout-out. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I, like, I'm just saying, like, Greg Miller, is he really for the community? Is he really for the podcasting community? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we, that that would really bump these numbers up. And as someone who is a, um unabashed PlayStation apologist, uh, um, I you'd I fit right in. I'd with, fit right in. <laughs> I'm I'm fit right in with that stuff. group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kidding. Uh, I actually I, I I don't listen to a lot of their stuff anymore. Um, but I did listen to that episode, and I thought they brought up some good points about the PlayStation Portal versus the PSVR two. Um, I'll be interested to hear like what your thoughts on the PlayStation Portal are later. Um, but they, they were talking a little bit about like how uh the PSVR two like. They, they think that the PlayStation portal is going to have more legs than the PSVR two. Uh, and, and I probably agree. Would you like, where do you fall with that? I, oh, we'll talk more about it later, but just generally, I think, I think from the beginning, it's one of those things that I am someone who used a, uh, uh, uh not steam deck. <laughs> I would, um, I'm someone who used a, um, backbone a lot. Yeah. I played remote play a lot, whether it was on my, uh, 
PlayStation Vita um, or on my computer or wherever because it was just convenient for me. Um, and I, I kept saying this is something that if you know you're going to use it, you're going to use it. It's like if you use it, you will. But I actually think that there is a better use case for this than just people who think they would use it. I think it's something that can be a little bit more mainstream. And I think with how a lot of people live nowadays, um, yeah. I think it's something that can, you know, catch on in a good way. And the technology is not perfect, but it's like right there. So I do think this is something that is a universal recommendation. And I do think it would be something that if you're a gamer, I could see more people using this than the PlayStation Portal. Not no no then the, the PlayStation um, VR two then the PlayStation VR two yeah yeah because I mean have they I mean like have they done anything with that this year was that was did it come out this year yeah I think so it did. yeah it, it did. definitely yeah, did. yeah oh my god like, it did March um, but I mean following following March following all that release stuff like I'm sure that like VR developers have have been launching stuff on there but like has like there hasn't been any like first party PlayStation stuff right uh well no that's not true it was just Grand it was Turismo. Horizon uh, Gran Turismo Horizon Call the Mountain came out on it um, yeah. But like, it, regardless of that, that is not enough to sustain a console like that. Like, if that no, was no, what no. the release was for the for anything, and that was like the main release, and you had to buy everything that you already had again to play it on it, I do not think this would be something like people would be understanding or, or wanting in the way that. And I'll say does. this: that's what the Switch was, but the Switch had Zelda Breath of the Wild on it. Like, yeah. it, like it had Breath of the Wild and Snipper Clippers, and that was it. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? But the Switch wasn't like even like the um, the Wii U was something that was more of a niche, not quite a niche. It was it was something that not a lot of people had in the same way that when the yeah, Switch came true. out, it was a new console, new generation. People uh, more likely had that. Um, than, way easier to understand. Um, people too. had the. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah, I, I was one of those people who bought <laughs> Zelda on two things because it's great. <laughs> Can't blame you. Not even close. Yeah. Couldn't blame you even for a second. Justin, it's Hitbox. everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number 170 that's a lot of weeks we've done this i'll say this 170 that is a, a lot of episodes my name is peter hunts Bitek, and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and now famous podcasting co-host justin makovich how's it going man things good in your uh, it's, it's going great we just went through a wonderful holiday of thanksgiving oh, yeah. How was which your holiday Oh man, it was it was fine. I think the biggest thing that happened to me though was, you know, Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. I can't say it's one of my favorite holidays. All this hullabaloo around a a dinner. Um I mean, it's nice to be around family, but you're going to see this family later on down the line. You're going to see them. You're going to see them for Christmas. You're going to see them yeah. then. It'll yeah. be it's, it's you they're they're coming back. Um but I do like how it's a nice little preview for Christmas in terms of like a break because I'm fortunate enough to be a teacher. One of the only times I'll ever say that because I get holidays off. So yeah, I got sure, sure. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. So I had a nice little five-day refresher break. I feel great. I feel pumped. Um, and I use that time in order to do a lot of housework because a lot of house mm -hmm. projects have been building up. And I put about 10 gallons of paint 
on the ceiling, on the walls, and on myself wow. over this break. My, my wife and I got down, and we just started, like, you know, rolling things out. We invited her uh, dad, my father-in-law, over to help us out. And we, we painted a lot of stuff. A lot of paint everywhere, man. Congratulations. I know that you I know. hate that. I, I know that that sounds like torture for you. Li- but I'm going to be honest, literally the most mind numbing work I can think yeah. of. Like I was, <laughs> I was painting like baseboards and I was, I was, I was going crazy. I'm like on the ground, yeah. like just like painting the baseboards. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This isn't fun. It just like, it like itches a weird part of my brain. Like all of my like brain issues about like, I need to have things like done perfectly. I don't like things being messy. And I also don't like things that take a lot of time. Um, and it's like all of those things that just are like happening at the same time. So painting mm-hmm. is not one of my, my favorite things to do Um, i'll admit that but we are almost done with the main spaces and we are ready for the holidays i was gonna say i bet that you are are getting through it though like on the other side at the very least you know what i mean oh we see it and it looks so good you're just walking around and like you sometimes i'm gonna be honest when you like paint the room you don't really notice it at first um but like we have a little bit we have like a vaulted ceiling that i can't really reach right now so i bought a ladder extension to do it but you see like the color of paint and how different it is and it just looks so much nicer and so much cleaner and so much uh, like it's worth it it's worth the effort it's worth the toil though to be honest i couldn't even tell i painted the baseboard so all that swearing i was doing really wasn't worth it so (laughs) it's gotta help the vibes though right Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And we started moving stuff. We got new furniture. We got a new couch. Archie, is it's fa- he loves it more than us. He didn't sleep with us last night because he was sleeping on the couch, so I was a little mad at him, but we got over it. Well, I'm, I hope he is able to get over that, Justin. You know what I can't get over? The news this week. Here's a preview of what's coming up. <laughs> uh, kids don't want to play games. Kids don't want games. Kids want V-Bucks for Christmas, according to a report. Bloober Team provides an awkward update on Silent Hill 2, and the Game Awards will have stricter security this year, according to Jeff Keighley. Justin, we're going to talk about those three headlines and more, but before we do, I want to tell our uh, listeners that they can join us on Discord. The link to our server is in the description of this episode. They can support us on Patreon if they're feeling monetarily generous, like Dave Parker, who gave justin and i the uh the the shout that you had been not, uh, uh uh mentioned on on kind of funny uh j noel and gks and if you're interested in joining those deluxe podcast producers just three dollars a month uh get you an extra 30 minute bonus episode um today we're talking some spider-man stuff uh real quick update last week we did um the first half of our game awards predictions but um given the news for this week we thought it might be a little bit more fun to provide the second half of our game awards predictions uh on the show today just to fill things out a little bit better um and also that way you can hear our our thoughts on like the really big categories um without having to, to be a part of the paywall um so but if you are interested that's three dollars a month at uh patreon.com slash hitbox pod you can do that become a deluxe podcast producer or just a one dollar podcast uh p- producer that would help us out a whole lot if you can't do that however what you can do is follow us on twitter if you've got an account at hitbox pod and you can rate this podcast in your podcast player of choice but enough with that justin i want to go to the metacritic roundup Metacritic Roundup. And would you believe it, Justin? There's truly <laughs> nothing. <laughs> N- nothing. Next, nothing. I think next week. When does Avatar come out? <laughs> December. Is it December seventh? December sixth? One of those. It's getting there. It is December seventh. There. Yeah. Yeah. A, um, the day of the Game Awards. They. <laughs> oh. They're really excited really, to uh, really really shadow dropping that one, huh? 
Yeah, I've like I don't maybe is am I weird? Am I not in the know here? I've heard fucking nothing about this game. There was like a preview for it like a month ago, but like we isn't isn't that kind of weird for like a game this big to just like be completely silent? Well, you said you said for a game this big and it begs the question is it truly this big? You know what I mean? Like, I know it's like the property of Avatar, but like... I mean, it's like Avatar is a Ubisoft game. I mean, like Ubisoft, uh, like I can't, I cannot like Ubisoft anymore. I just can't do it. They don't make good games. I'm sorry, everyone. I just can't <laughs> keep pretending that they do. Um, but like, they're a studio that people like for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying though, right? Like, it's it just, it's wild to me that like a game... A Ubisoft game of a property as big as Avatar is coming out, and like I've heard nothing about it. I've seen that there's been no marketing for it. I guess that's really what I'm talking about. Do you know? Like, wouldn't it be just so? Wouldn't it be crazy if this game was literally just? Um, it was really just another Far Cry game. Like, wouldn't I mean, that's that what be it's amazing? Be, right? Like, no, for but sure, like it's actually, just be Far Cry. it's like oh. just Far Cry. <laughs> like they pull off their Navi outfits, and it's uh, Joseph Seed. Is that the guy from Far Cry 4? What are we on? What Far Cry are we on anyway? Where are uh, we? It would be 7. 7, Far Cry, okay. Far yeah. Cry 6 was like the America one. Far mm. Cry... F- or was that Far Cry 5? You know, you're... Are we on si- 6? Far Cry 7 mm. needs to be set in Vegas. That's fucking good. Justin, yeah. Thank right, you. Ubisoft. Hey. That's interesting, at least. I'd be like... <laughs> That sounds cool. I mean, and you just climb up on the top of uh, the the Venetian, and that that would be your 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 um your your point, and then all the all the mob people would come out there. Like that'd be pretty cool. You is the Venetian the, the pyramid? Mm. You know what I'm talking mm. about? Climb that thing. Yeah. The get, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get to the top of the. Is it like a giant like air balloon? Do you know what I'm talking about? I I don't. I've never been to Vegas. So I don't I've, I've been to Vegas, but I don't remember much about Vegas. They that well. I do remember it, but it's like in it's Invincible. A bl- it's a Vegas blur. In Invincible season two, they they go yeah. to to the the Eiffel Tower in. Oh yeah, Vegas. they do. That, yeah, okay. That's, yeah, I did yeah, know that. So so that could be another one of them that you go to. Hey everyone, do yourself a favor. Watch Invincible. Yeah, and read it too. I'm I'm deep into it right now, and I'm it's, loving it. It's real good. It's real good, guys. Real good. Real real and good. Um, but Justin, obviously, there's nothing in the Metacritic roundup here. Uh, I but I do want to hear about the games you've been playing because I I know you've had the break. I know you're busy painting, but I did. I caught you <laughs> playing Resident Evil 4 remake, mm. and I want to know what you think of it. I am uh, been on record of saying Resident Evil 4. I don't like it. Nothing yeah. about that game. I, I was playing it this year. I got through to the castle part, like like halfway through the castle part this year. I played on Switch. I put a good, good old gentleman's go into it. I'm like, I'm going to play it. I'm going to beat it. And then it just, when that game really ramps up with his combat, it just becomes like almost like silly stupid with, with its combat, the original one, um, yeah, in terms okay. of like all the like the little stuff that you got to do with it. It's just, I, I don't think it's very good. I honest, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's a very good game. I'm going to say it right now. Shout out to the mountaintops. I'm never going to play that game again. I don't like that game. I don't think it's a good game. It's not a me game. The controls suck. It's an influential game. Sure. Sure, Super influential. Without that game, 
we would not get games like Resident Evil 4 Remake, which is a fucking awesome game, Peter. That game okay. is All right. awesome. And like, to to be fair, I when we when it when it started when when I played the demo part of it, um, it did the one thing I was asking. It changed the controls, um, and it was night and day when I was playing that demo. I enjoyed the demo. It was fun. Um, I, I like I said, like this is probably going to be a game I'm going to enjoy and want to play. And um, sure enough. I sat down, started playing it, and it is a game that I enjoy and want to play. And I'm actually a little surprised at how different it is. I thought it would be just kind of like an upgraded graphics, updated controls, and that was kind of what it was. But the overall game is really streamlined and cut down in a way that I think is really for its benefit in terms of its overall pacing. Um, the whole village section, like, in really it's just like big scene after big scene, action moment after action moment. Um, and then they have those good little like kind of like breathy areas, like when you're in the lake and you get to kind of like do the little side things around the lake and do the little like mini missions and things like that. Um, and it's very different uh, from how that whole section goes in the original game. Um, there's like a swamp part in the other game with like this like weird waterfall section that you got to stop this waterfall with another combat thing. And it just kind of like, ah, we got another one of these. We got another one of these. But this one just continues to like take the parts that were good from the original one and connect them with more interesting pathing. Uh, I think the actual level design uh, is really great. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, it's mm-hmm. fun to explore the world. And the the whole... And I know this isn't like ultimately that much different from what you did in the original one, but even like the, uh, the way to get money and currency and how much treasure you get and all that kind of stuff, it just is really like... It's just singing to me in such a great yeah. way. And that combat is really fun. And I never feel like... I am swimming in ammo, but I never feel like I am lacking the kind of ammo that I need. I feel like I have to be conservative, but I don't feel like I am um, not having the materials I need to succeed in certain missions. Um, it's just it's the it's sort just, of stuff like the scarcity is something I really like about it. And I think it has a really good balance of this of like feeling like you got through that each encounter where you were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I made it through. And then you go to the next one and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, how did I make it through that? And like, I think that is like that sort of scarcity feels really good. Would you, is, would you oh, agree a- with that? Absolutely. Like there, it's just enough that you got to think and be careful. And um, yeah. they do a good job with like the resources that you get and the ability to craft ammo that you still have enough of that option and that agency to like if you are really stuck in a fight to create more things to help you in that fight um, to run around the world and get the stuff. And I know the other game had that, but the way this combat is just so much tighter and so much cleaner and so much more fun uh, than the original. Uh, it's just really working for me in all the right ways. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. How far are you into it? Um, I am halfway through the castle part, pretty much where I stopped. Oh, okay. Um, pretty much where I stopped in the in the the Switch version. And I just have the hunger to pick it up and play more of it. And it's kind of at mm-hmm. the detriment of the work I have to do because I have a couple busy weeks coming up. Um, but I really do want to finish it. And I probably will finish it within the next couple weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, like, if you're halfway through the castle part, like, you're halfway through the game. It's, yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, the I'm, castle I'm, I'm and then the island. Midway through done. chapter seven, I think. So it's like, I think, literally kind of at that halfway Probably point Probably like 15 wise. out of yeah. 15, I bet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm really glad that, that you're enjoying it. Um, and I'm going to go to say, out of all of, I played um, Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil uh, 2 remake. Um, this, by far, is 
the best one um, in terms of everything, in terms of the combat, in terms of the pacing, in terms of even the story, I just think works so much better in this one. Um, and Resident Evil 2 is a close second for me, very close second. But the thing that kills me about Resident Evil 2 is once you leave the police station, it just kind of like falls down from its pacing. Yeah. It becomes more about trying to be an action-y game rather than it just being that survival horror. But really, they're two different genres, it feels to me, because Resident Evil 4 remake and the first half of Resident Evil 2 remake are very different types of experiences with what you're doing what's well, like it's action horror versus just horror or like yeah. survival horror you yeah. know yep um and but, but like that said I, I still do think that resident evil 4 and resident evil 4 remake by extension like are effective and scary in certain areas you know, like like i think the, the beginning is is pretty spooky you know what yeah. i mean when you're yeah. just going through that house um yeah so as so, well i'm glad that you're enjoying it uh i'm glad that uh, this is doing something, though, that I, I think that it was like the absolute intention of the remake is to like make it, it a game that doesn't appeal to some people appeal to those people. Yeah, Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like you were never going to like Resident Evil 4, the original because of the controls. It, like It's just too much of a barrier for someone like you. So this is a way for you to experience it and appreciate it and enjoy it. Um, it uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, I still think I prefer the original, but like damn if the the remake is not a good game um speaking of though uh, uh <laughs> playing a game to the detriment of the rest of your life i think i'm i think i'm less a man now and more just a vessel for playing Baldur's gate 3. oh no <laughs> yeah it happened i think like two or three days ago i had a very rare opportunity this weekend to be completely alone for like two full days um uh, yesterday oh. I got my, my COVID booster and my flu shot. So I was kind of feeling not great. So I just, I literally, I sat down at one o'clock with Baldur's gate three. I played it for about five hours. Like I'm, I'm pretty deep into it. And I wasn't initially, it's not that I was, wasn't like really into it. Um, it's just like, it felt a little overwhelming for me. And so w when a game is overwhelming like that, cause it's big, right. And, and like the options that it gives you are, are extraordinarily numerous. Um, but I, I, when a game is that big, I sometimes freeze up a little bit and there are two things that, uh, okay. There are three things that can happen. One is I just bounce off something like that where I go, you know what? No, I can't do this. Something like uh, Starfield, right? I decided pretty early on, like, I don't think I like this and it's a little too big and overwhelming. I'm just going to stop, right? Totally bounced off it. Um, or I can try to get into it, but like still not be able to click with it and, and end up putting, I don't know, 15 hours into a game and, and going like, you know, actually I think this isn't for me. Or if you did, if I can get through that, those first like five to six hours of a game that is overwhelming, you come out like being able to understand the mechanics, understand what it's asking of you, all that sort of stuff. I, it makes me, it reminds me of like Persona 5. I remember being very overwhelmed when I started that game. Um, but something about Baldur's Gate 3 that is like Persona 5 is just you have to accept like you will get it in time. And also you cannot do everything. It's a little bit more the case in Baldur's Gate 3. Like, that's a little bit more meaningful in Baldur's Gate 3, I mean, um, where, like, you are not going to be able to do everything. You're not going to find everything. And that's okay and intentional, you know? Um, but uh, it's it's really, really good, man. Uh, and while it is a little clunky, and to be honest, pretty buggy, I've had a handful of times where where I've just had some weird visual bugs and, and like, menus getting stuck on screens and, and stuff like that. Like, it is saved by how open-ended things are and it feels like i am making all of the choices myself i'm like choosing how to handle every situation every combat encounter every whatever and then also 
the writing is so good and the characters are so, so solid. Um, I love it. I can't stop. Okay, so I think, like, one thing that I think when I'm playing a game like Mass Effect, um, I think I get caught in that idea that no matter what, there's multiple different ways you can approach everything. There's still, like, a way to do it correctly. And there's really not that many options to that game. You know what I mean? Like, there are, but there aren't. Um, And I think part of the issue with that game and why people don't like that game quite as much is how you start off in one spot, you do all your other shit to like make your web go out to wherever you want, but then it still has to end. And you get three, four options of how to end it, but you're still funneled back in a very similar ending with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do 100% understand what you mean by like sometimes like you are so, you want to do everything because that's what we do as video gamers, but you can't do everything. And this game is not meant to, at least in one playthrough, do everything because it is right. such an open ended game. And I think that's kind of cool, but I think that is something that is sometimes a bit of a turnoff for certain games. Like, you can do anything, but that means you can't do everything. But that's my problem with a lot of Bethesda games, right? Where it's like, oh, you can do whatever. I'm like, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. What what kind of game are you? Are you, like, what do you do? Um, But but can you win a Bethesda game? That's the thing. Like, I don't feel like you can. No, no, not with story stuff. But with this, like, I'm going to be really interested to keep playing this because I'm playing sort of two concurrent games, right? One as myself and then one with Elena. Um, I'm very, I'm much further in the one as myself just because I've had more time and whatever. Um, And when we're playing with Elena, like, um, it's a little bit different the way we play because, like, we are very, like, dialogue focused with her because, like, that's the part that she's going to interact with. And so we kind of, like... I'm, I'm trying to like streamline to the dialogue stuff and trying to like skip as much of like the exploration as and whatever, um, which means that we're going to miss a handful of things, but also we're handling situations a little bit differently. Here's a, here's an example of what I'm talking about. I also, I can't speak to how things are going to end. Right. Obviously. Um, but I think I can a little bit, maybe speak to how encounters are going to end and what that's going to mean. So, okay. The first big thing of act one is basically you show up to this, um, like town called emerald grove and it's controlled by druids and the druids are trying to um like sever the connection of emerald grove to um like the real world so that they can like hide from like all the goblins and monsters and stuff that surround the area that are trying to specifically hunt them down um well inside emerald grove there are there is like a, a bandit like a not a bandit like a like a caravan of uh tiefling refugees and the druids hate the tiefling refugees and are basically saying, we're about to cut this whole town off from uh, from the world. Y- you guys can just fucking deal with it. And the refugees are like, if you just send us out without proper provisions and proper like time to prepare, like we are going to die. And they're basically like, that's tough. Deal with it. So when you're in the grove, you have two options. You can kind of like you probably have more, but like the two main options are like side with the tieflings and try and overthrow the druids or side with the druids and kick the tieflings out. Right. Pretty simple, like good versus evil thing. Right. Obviously the refugee, like helping the refugees is the good side and, and kicking them out is the bad side. Uh, like more like from like the moral standing of the game. Right. Um, or you can, you find out, you can find out rather through dialogue that the leader of the druids, his name is Halson and he was actually captured by goblins and so he's not around right now. So the druids are being led by someone else named like Kagla or something like that. And Kagla sucks. She's like mean. <laughs> she's like really racist against the tieflings. Like she sucks really bad. And she's the one who's like ordering, like we're going to kick everyone out. Right. So what you could do is you could, um, 
side with the side with the tieflings and like kill Kagla and and figure out what happens from there. That's where like Elena and I are kind of going. That, that's where like, in Elena's playthrough, I think we're we're gonna kill her. Or you can go say, wait a second, if Halson wouldn't kick them out like this, let's go find Halson. So instead of dealing with the conflict right away, I said, all right, I'll be back. I'm going to go to this, this goblin camp and I'm going to go find Halson. So I go find Halson. And when you get to the goblin camp, there's like a bunch of different ways to approach it. Are you going to try and blend in with the goblins and like try and get them to accept you? Are you going to just like fight your way through? Are you going to stealth your way through? What are you going to do about that? Right. Uh, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to try and blend in with them. I'm going to like try to pick up their customs. One of basically, um, you have the option to, uh, uh, when you, when you get to the gate, the goblins are like, what the fuck do you want? And and you're like, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to come in and, and like, you know, I'm, I, I want to see what's up at the camp. And they're basically like, you can't enter unless you smear this warg shit on your face. <laughs> it's part of our custom, man. You got to put the war paint on. And like, you know that that's not the custom. Like, I know that that's not a thing. And so you have the option, right? Like, do I throw this at them? Do I put it on my face and just fucking bear it? So I, I, I threw it at them to see what would happen. It started combat. And I was like, that's not how I'm going to happen, how I want to handle it. So I, I reloaded it, smeared it on my face. And then I was able to just walk into the camp and walk all over, all over the place and, and like really get in there and see what was going on in this camp. But I imagine that if you fought your way, if you're going to fight your way through, you're gonna have to fight your way through. Does it make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. So then you get to Halson. And Halson's like, I, I broke Halson out of prison and he was like, okay, like if you want to, um, if you want to help me, we have to restore like the, the, the order in the land right now. And to the best way to do that is to kill the three goblin leaders in this camp. And then you have as a billion different ways to deal with those goblin leaders if you want, or you can side with the goblins in the camp. And like the different, <laughs> so like one of the people, her name is Minthara. She, you can potentially recruit her into your party if you want to be like the most evil you could possibly be. And like, what you can do is you can trick her into having all the goblins come to the grove, telling her the the location, and then using the people in the grove to fight off the entire goblin camp. Or you just kill her there. Or you can do like seven different things. Or you could like actually like side with her. So the start of this conflict was: Do you help the refugees or do you help the druids? And then, it, it, that, like, that seems pretty, like, straightforward enough, but there's, like, a third option of, like, maybe go investigate this other option that isn't uh, quite as, like, this or that. You go find that option, and then he gives you three different things that you can do, and then each of those individual things gives you three different things that you can do. And, you know, you mentioned, like, being worried about, like, what is the right way to play this? Like, how, like, what is the intended experience? That's something that I was really worried about when I started, because I felt like I was missing a lot of those intended experiences. But... I have found enough clever solutions to a lot of the problems that I came up with on my own or that the game sort of like nudged me into finding that I have sort of been like, I don't feel like I'm missing out on any of those intended paths because there have been a handful of things where I was like, I don't know if they wanted me to handle it like that, but I did. But then there have been a lot of things where I've been like, that feels like exactly how they wanted me to handle that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like, is there, like you said, if you want, like, the evil playthrough, is there, like, a clear, like, moral good and bad in this game? Or is a lot of it just kind of, like, ugh, gray? I don't know. Um, I think so, but, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think racism is bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, so, like, it, it, I think I think fantasy stuff is tough with that sort of thing, if I can just take a tangent for a second. Because, like, I, as, as a person in, 
in the world today. No, no racism is wrong and bad. And like, like I know I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but like, I don't know, like to me, that's an easy choice of just like, oh, well, I'm not gonna be racist to these people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that the game does present like, um, interesting conundrums and questions right with the druids i think the druid lady is a big asshole and i think i personally think that but that's also just my perspective of like i i don't think that rulers who rule for the greater good without considering uh everyone i i think the idea of the greater good personally me peter spitek is is not always right is is frequently wrong because it ignores a lot of other things that other problems that people have right that said, I don't know, maybe you think the idea of the greater good is really good. And so you, maybe you would side with her and, and her ideas, right? Of just saying like, well, it's their place. They want to kick everyone out. Let them do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think to what I'm saying, like I, you were talking and I kept doing this like thing when I'm like doing these branches and it just seems yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. a million different branches to it. But it's almost like the branch, there's not a right branch or a left branch. There is a branch that you take and it just keeps going out and it going keeps, out it, and it's, going out. It's such out. a big web. Yeah. 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 Because again, you're in a completely different place, which I think is cool. And like they have to write those trees for all that stuff to happen. <laughs> yeah. And like that's insane. Like that's. And that's, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like like taped together in the way that other games where like you have make choices kind of do or like usually like for the most part, I would say that your choices, like the things that you choose, you have a really good understanding of what is the outcome is going to be. If you do this thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, whereas like sometimes I felt like in mass Effect specifically, like I didn't feel like I was like, I would say something and then Shepard would say it like really mean. And I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I didn't say yeah, it. Like that was yeah. not what I wanted. That was not what I was intending. Um, or, or like, you know, if I choose this, like, Oh my gosh, everyone thought this, but like, I didn't, I had no way of knowing that, you know, um, whereas this game, I think is, it does present things pretty e easily. Um, an, an issue that I sometimes run into though, is like, there's like a lot of dice rolls that you do. Um, and if you fail, uh, something like out in the world, if you like find a locked chest, and you're going to you're going to try and unlock the chest and you fail the dice roll. You just don't get to open that chest. And like for me. When the game tells you when the game tells you no, I think the most interesting thing it can do is tell you no. And here's what happens as a result. So like in dialogue, if you say if you try and convince a guard like you get caught sneaking in an area where you're not supposed to be and you have the option to try and convince the guard that you're supposed to be there. If you do, you get to just walk around freely. That's great. And if you don't, then you have to deal with the consequences of being caught. I think that's cool because even if you fail, something interesting happens. Whereas a lot of the roles when you're like just like out in the wilderness, it's like the result is you don't get to open that chest. OK, well, <laughs> like, like that's nothing. You know what but I mean? Peter, are you the class that allows you to talk and empathize with the chests? I'm not. I'm the class that can talk with and empathize with animals. Yeah. So I mean, you just missed that out. I think that was a you issue. You're just you're not yeah. a noun path. You're just a an animal path. And I feel like I should have I should have been like a bard or someone who like uh, specked into speech because yeah. like like looking back at it like hey guess what all of your party members are fucking good in a fight. I don't need to be another Fighter. guy who's good with bows and arrows and swords i should be like someone who can like talk my way through the situations i want to talk through yeah as opposed to having fucking minus two intelligence like, <laughs> like literally every single conversation i have i'm just like <laughs> um an idiot uh but uh it's it's really really quite good and um like i said i, I think 
I was getting a little overwhelmed with it in the beginning. Also, the controls are bad and it does not auto save really at all. So if you're going to play the game, make sure you are uh, doing that quick save pretty often. Oh, it does have a quick um, save, though. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not as quick as you'd want it to be, but it is like I'm using that all the time. Yeah. Um, I think I'm. I, if, if anyone's curious, I, I, I'm I've got I think I'm trying to get a romance going with Carlac. She's the the fiery red lady with the horn. Um, she's pretty great. I do have kind of a side thing going on with Lazelle, um, the very angry green lady. Uh, I'll be honest with you though, with Lazelle, it's kind of it's kind of all passion. It's kind of it, it's 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 or sorry, it's it's like no feelings, just sort of a physical thing. Um, and I think Lazelle understands that, and I'm like. Carlac is cool with it, by the way. Carlac uh, has, an, has a, a deal where uh, she's got an, an infernal engine burning in her heart. So her body is on fire at all times. And so she can't touch people physically. Um, but we're working on curing that. And she said something that was really, really cool. And it made me feel very, like, not seen, but like, I was like, damn, Carlac, where were you in my early 20s, <laughs> late teens, <laughs> early 20s? Where she was basically like, she's like, go have fun with the, 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 the angry space lizard. Um, but like, keep me in your keep me in your thoughts for when I've cooled down. And I was like, damn, Aww, Carlac, that's, that's really very cute. cool of you. Very mature of you. She's like, I don't mind sharing. I was like, that's very cool of you. Oh man, um, I'm seeing some images online when I type. Oh, I them bet you are. Oh, there. Justin, did you know that if you um, <laughs> if you're trying to like figure out what, uh, uh, if you're trying to like cycle through the different uh, ar- armor options of your character, um, you will just fully make them naked. Uh. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it, like my TV, like b- behind us is our big window. <laughs> it's our big window that everyone in our courtyard can see into. Um, so at about two two p.m. Uh, uh, yesterday, or maybe the day before, I was like, I'm trying to sh- change Shadowheart's armor, and I was like, Holy shit! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, some interesting um, stuff here. That's for sure. Yeah. So you, yeah. what I'm trying to say is, you'll find all that interesting stuff in the game, my friend. Um, huh. Baldur's Gate three, good fucking game. Huh. And you know what's interesting? I'm the only one who's talking about it. Yeah, I, no one else is at all. <laughs> like, it's not very popular. No, nah. no, really, it's it's kind of a, no one's really talking about it. Um, you got that platinum in Spider Man? I did. It was great. Um, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think there is a lot of good story hidden behind repetitive tasks in the open world in the overworld. Um, like just for the in, platinum for like for, the collectible stuff. Yeah, for the collectibles, but even just like the, some of the interesting side content. Um, I just think, uh, for example, there's a side mission where you have to um, basically chase down these um, birds, like these metal birds, and you have to like basically like sucks fly sucks. through these things. Sucks. But the story implications of where it goes surprisingly interesting. Very cool ending. The they mission. Could have had half those birds, and I there was, fine there was only it. one I liked. I really enjoyed the one um, that you went through, uh, like uh, Times Square. That was a cool one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Other than that, no. That's they all look the fucking same. Sucks. Not even worth it. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm glad you got that. That is. Um. I think a pretty solid platinum. Would you say so? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it easy. You do everything in the game. I feel like I've satisfied. I don't feel like it overstayed its welcome. Um, and I still want to just go back and fly around the damn town. It is that fun to just go around New yeah. York as your as your characters. But um, I did platinum it on on something that I'm holding oh. right oh, here. Man. 
Oh man, look at that! What, I now, did. Now, Justin, this, what is that? What have you done to your Switch? Well, I put on some hoary uh, game pads <laughs> onto my Switch. <laughs> um, now this is my PlayStation Portal, Peter. I purchased, got, and played on my PlayStation Portal all weekend. So tell me everything, Justin. I'm very curious to hear what you think of this. Thing. Oh my God, I don't, I don't quite know where to start. Um, so this tablet is awesome i love it yep. it feels so good in your hands um it's you're holding a, a dual sense and i don't have huge hands i have normal size people hands maybe a little bit bigger than normal just with my general size but like when i am playing on the backbone i do not feel comfortable holding that thing it is not a comfortable little controller to hold it's convenient i like what i can do with it but it's not comfortable even when mm -hmm. i'm holding the playstation vita it is not something that is incredibly comfortable for me to hold yeah um the switch some good things about it but with standard joy cons it's not truly can get you like pinkies behind it yeah it just is not that comfortable to hold like it's just not a perfect system not a perfect thing but this one it's like you're just holding a dual sense and yeah. it's weighted about the same as a dual sense and it oh, is cool. surrounded with this huge screen that makes anything you're playing just look massive it is great mm -hmm. to have um it is like uh, from a feel standpoint from a look standpoint from a from an everything standpoint it's really cool and even when you start it off it's like it really like kind of like when you turn it on, it really plays up on the whole portal thing. When it connects to um, your PlayStation, oh, it's like a circle thing, doesn't it? It literally looks like a, a portal from uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, with how awesome. that all works. Um, it is just really cool. Um, down to the fact when you start playing a game, they have like a custom screen in that portal. Now it might just be what the background is uh, when you're going through the menu, um, but it just it just this cool little look, and it's so simple to set up. Like it just look at it, start up right there. Look at that, fun that is. Yeah. It, it go seems in, quick, go in the right? portal. It's quick. It's pretty quick. It connects. It's as quick as your PlayStation gets out of rest mode or whatever. Um, yeah. But, like, it is something that I think is just a nice piece of technology. I know some people were complaining about the idea that it is, um, uh, like, you have to go on a browser in order to connect to the Internet. I don't ha – I didn't have that experience with it. It was just kind of like you set it up, and the first thing you do is connect to the Wi-Fi, uh, connect to your um, PlayStation, and then you're in. And then it's just as simple mm -hmm. as a one-button press to, to get in. Uh, you basically turn it on. It connects automatically. You press your X button. And just like that, I'm going to go into Resident Evil, um, hopefully, as I'm showing you this. It's going to pop into Resident Evil Village. You see the little village there, and then it goes yeah. right to my PlayStation. It is nice. quick. It is it is awesome. It is the definitive way to play um, a uh, remote play. I mean, obviously. like that, 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 that shouldn't even be a question. Like It is everything you'd want it to be um, as a remote play device. Um, to get into a little bit of the negative, um, there is occasionally, based on your internet, there are some occasions when you notice that you are playing a streaming thing on your remote stuff. Um, sure. It is not a frequent experience, but there's sometimes when you'll be turning on your joystick and then the game thinks you're still turning even when you're done. It just kind of like lags a little yeah. bit behind heavy joystick stuff. Occasionally, usually when I start it, sometimes the actual quality of the picture dips pretty significantly for just a bit. And then it seems to like get itself put together um, in your play sessions. Um, but I mean, I'm playing Resident Evil 4 Remake on this thing. I've solely played Resident Evil 4 Remake on my portal. And, and there's only a, 
it feels good. Only a handful of times where I felt a little bit of that um, dragging on the, the the joystick, but everything else felt is is great. It's playable. I don't feel like I am um, necessarily having a worse experience. Now, if I'm like you know playing for money and I'm trying to like do like one of those <laughs> shooting challenges, um, I definitely would probably hook up to my actual PlayStation in order to do that. Um, yeah. But I don't feel like I'm having a worse experience from it. And Bottom line, this screen is so big and the quality of the screen is so nice that it is so easy to play these games. I don't feel like I have to squint. I don't feel like it is um, like I have to change my display settings on my PlayStation in order for me to see it. Like it is just um, the the kind of perfect little handheld that it's disappointing. Um, I can't take it with me uh, anywhere I go. Uh, because I have to have the internet connected to it. That's the only disappointed thing to yeah. it. I wish it could play some games natively um, because I think this would be, if that was the case, this would be like an amazing, easy to recommend system. But as it is, it's great. Um, I'm enjoying it and I highly recommend it for anyone who plays remote play. Plus, I this weekend, um, usually I was saying how it's going to be something that I play while uh, like my wife is like uh, watching TV or I'm also mm-hmm. watching something and I'm just putting it on the background. I had the football on my big screen TV at home. I was watching football while I was playing this thing at the same time. And it was just like this like revelation of just like, this is like my forever. Like, I don't know how on it, like, honestly, I don't know how frequently I'm going to actually turn on my PlayStation and play it on my TV because this is just the way to play PlayStation games for me right now. It's great. It's awesome. It is highly recommended. And I think if it's something you're even curious about, try it, put it in your hand, see what you think about it. And I think you'll like it. Um, so you mentioned like the internet thing, like, like needing internet to use it. Are you able to play it? Not from your home though. Like, do you need yeah. to be, so like you if can. you were to go like the library, let's say connect to their internet there, you'd be able to use it. Yeah. The, the problem it depends is on the library's Wi-Fi, right? Then you're playing off two Wi-Fis. You're playing off your home Wi-Fi. Oh, that's where I the see. PlayStation is going through. And you're playing off of the library's Wi-Fi because it's just you're hoping that two Wi-Fis are perfect. And the chances of that happening, there's more issues that can happen. But back right. in the day when I uh, when uh, my wife uh, used to live in the city, um, I would like uh, on my Vita play um, uh, like Fallout and things like that, streaming from my Vita from my home um, PlayStation to my PlayStation Vita. And it wasn't always great. I think the quality was on average worse then. Uh, but like it was still doable and still playable for the right type of mm-hmm. game. And I would assume a game like Baldur's Gate, minus the fact that it has pretty bad controls for uh, PlayStation from what I heard. Um, yeah. I think it would be something that no matter where you are, you could probably play that game uh, with remote play pretty successfully in terms of the experience just because it is more of a click turn-based dice roll kind of game too so depending on the game you can play that from anywhere yeah i think i think Baldur's gate 3 would be just like perfect to play on that because it is turn-based you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, like the controls aren't great but they're not great on ps5 yeah you know what I mean? like, yeah, like it's, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's it's an issue with the control like the way it's all mapped not with also like it's like you can play the fucking game. You know, like it's not that big of a <laughs> yeah. deal. I bet it would probably be a lot better and easier, like with a mouse and keyboard, but like whatever. Um, well, uh, I'm glad that you're liking a, it so much. Yeah. There's one thing I'm going to actually check now um, that is a little bit annoying. The touch screen for the, um, uh, for the screen, when you want to press oh, the touch this. screen, you have to double tap it. Yeah. 
And that's the one thing that if I were to try to like think of like what would be an easy fix that isn't an issue, the double tapping it is kind of a pain in the ass because like I wish you could just press it. I'm not going to accidentally start touching the screen where it is. It is so conveniently placed um, with where it is. It's like literally like right where your thumb is. You can just touch the screen. I don't, I don't know if it's going to do it right there, but it's so conveniently placed that yeah. it's not like you're going to accidentally like press it. But it would just be very nice to just do it once instead of having to double tap it because in Resident Evil 4, whenever you go into your dumb uh, inventory, you have to double tap it. And sometimes that can be a little tricky in a combat encounter mm-hmm. to try to do that. Um, and I'm just confirming here it looks like I don't have that option um, to uh, change it on my um, screen, which would be one thing I would like to fix. But yeah, other than that, minor gripe. It is great. Well, I am so glad that you're enjoying it. Uh, I Hearing you talk about it makes me like, should I get one of these? And the answer is no, absolutely not. I, I'm never in a situation where I would need this. If I left my house, I have enough to get through my switch. Like, no, I don't need this. But um, should I? No, no, no. I do think it looks cool, though. I yeah, think, I think it's the great. DualSense controller good. with the screen in the middle like looks like like physically like like literally like looks really cool. But and I'm just um, hoping I can play on my old Wii U games on this because I'll be able to have the tablet yeah, in my hand and play it right on my console. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, let's talk about the news. Ooh, let's do it. Oh, Justin. Justin, according to the ESA, the kids, they don't want games for Christmas. They want V-Bucks. No, No, they want V-Bucks. So a report from, this is an article from gamesindustry.biz by Sophie uh, McAvoy. McAvoy. Um, says U.S. kids want game subscriptions and virtual currency more than games this Christmas. Uh, let me read you the first paragraph here. Uh, first few paragraphs, rather. A report from the Entertainment Software Association has found that 72% of children in the U.S. want games-related products for Christmas, but only 22% have asked for physical games. Of the 500-plus children surveyed ages eight, uh, 10 to 17, most are planning to ask for video game-related gifts for the holiday. Subscriptions were the most popular gift idea at 39%. So, you know, obviously like things like PlayStation Plus or probably more likely maybe Xbox Game Pass. Um, Followed closely by consoles, 38%. Game accessories, 32%. And in-game currency, 29%. Surprisingly, only 22% of the children surveyed wanted physical games this Christmas. Um, What do you think of this, Justin? I mean, I I think it makes sense. If I'm a parent, I think uh, specifically when we're looking at, um, like, if we're looking at the idea here that, what is it, the, you know, subscriptions are 39% of it, that's like you're buying games. Like, that is like, uh, for a holiday, it's like you are refreshing your ability to play games and a ton of games. I think that makes sense. I think the headline kind of is a little misleading because it makes you feel like 20, like a hundred percent of people or most people want to get the in-game currency like your V bucks. But there's so much more to that, that I think um, is like, it makes sense why the numbers are the way they are. It's much more about like the subscriptions and actually like accessories and game things like the PlayStation portal, you know, like that counts in that. And, and like to me, like thirty nine percent of kids wanting subscription services. Like, if I was a kid, we've talked about this for sure. If I was a kid with Xbox Game Pass out right now, I would be like, Mom and Dad, I do not need, I do not need video games for Christmas. I want six months of Game Pass to get me to my birthday, or my birthday's right by Christmas. But you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I want six months, six months of Game Pass 
so that I can play all these games, you know, um, or even like, you know, if you get a PlayStation five, like PlayStation plus, like that stuff is also pretty solid. The, the other tiers that not the one I have, um, like those are all like really solid with their, their offerings. You know, they're getting less new stuff all the time, but like, that's not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree though that I would say this headline's just a little misleading. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, this makes sense given the current market and the, the current way that games are and being handled. Can you imagine like, I mean, you were someone who got really into like Overwatch. Like you were like hundreds and hundreds oh, of yeah. hours into that game. And that's something you oh, paid yeah. for. I can only imagine when I was younger, when I had all of my free time in the world to, to like really dive into that stuff. Um, if I had the ability to like play a, a free to play game that was free to play that had hours and hours of content in it. Um, I would be jumping all over that. I think I'd probably be a very different gamer than I am today if that was the case just because of that. And I mean, the time I got the most in a Call of Duty when I was in college and I had the most free time to play video games in terms mm-hmm. like that and just sit down and really get into it. So this makes sense to me. I don't think it's necessarily concerning for our industry or anything like that, but um, it is something that is a little bit shocking, specifically with such a good year for video games that more people um, you know, aren't asking for some of these good <laughs> video games for Christmas. Yeah, I think like Fortnite is just like such a great place for kids too. like kids don't have like a place to go. That's free. Yeah, but Fortnite is a great place for kids to hang out. That's free. And so like, yeah, if I'm spending a, like a, like a lot of time in Fortnite with my friends, like, yeah, get me those skins like like that's the stuff that's going to be fun for me. You know what I mean? To like put money into and, and like now I can be invincible. Now I can be Omni Man. You know what I mean? I They're mean, I the only Coming. thing I'm ever going to buy in Fortnite is if I can get a dabbing emote, I'm going to buy that. That was one of them, wasn't it? I'm yeah. Sure it oh, has, yeah. Had but, to have been. Oh, yeah. But like I wasn't like around during that week when it was yeah. there, but I would dab the fuck out of that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, a thousand percent. Justin. Bloober team. You know them. They Ooh. made the medium. <laughs> best game of the year. <laughs> they made layers 2023. Of best game. They made Observer um they have to have made something else but i'm honestly not that interested. a oh, blair witch fuck <laughs> the ending so, of that game good okay I'll, I'll take your word for it yeah um so justin um they tweeted out on november 21st the leaves are falling and so are our prices all the major games in bluebird team's catalogs are now available at steam's autumn sale do you have it in you to face these hostile challenges places where dark secrets strange urges and uncomfortable motions take shape um and someone commented, when should we expect uh, to get some news on the remake? Or is that just up to Konami? It's kind of hard to be stuck in the fog for over a year with nothing new. Even some screenshots would be nice. And Bloober Team responded saying, Konami is the publisher of the game and communication is definitely part of their job. So a lot of people sort of took this as a uh, uh, slight against Konami, um, which, hey, fair. <laughs> Um, given how they've been handling Silent Hill. Have you seen this stuff for Silent Hill um, Ascension? Mm-mm. Uh, this, this, like, hold on a second. Let me look up Silent Hill. Yeah, Ascension. Um, It's like this, like, game that, like, you watch as a TV show and everyone oh, votes yeah, 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 yeah. on, and they banned saying Hideo Kojima. They banned saying a whole bunch of stuff because everyone was like, hoping that it was going to be good and then but like there's microtransactions in order to vote and stuff like that and then also there are these theories that it's written by ai because it's so bad because it is like so deeply 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 bad um 
it's a it's make a horror tv show to watch together um so it streams weekdays at 9 p.m um eastern time um you can watch it on google play but yeah weird um but so konami's not been handling (laughs) particularly well i would also say that giving the rights to bloober team to make a game not where i would have gone but i get that if you want money in your konami do it whatever the fuck if you want Uh, money in your blooper team that yeah okay uh, yeah how could you blame them yeah right um but so uh uh, bloober team people took that this tweet from bloober team to be kind of a slight against konami uh so bloober team followed up by releasing this statement um a few days later saying as bloober team we are proud to be part of konami's plans for the silent hill franchise alongside our partner we are diligently working to ensure the silent hill 2 remake attains the highest quality on behalf of our development team we would like to clarify that the production is progressing smoothly and in accordance with our schedule we understand that many players around the world are eagerly anticipating news about the game and we appreciate your dedication however we kindly ask for a bit more patience once konami as the game's publisher shares more information we are confident that the wait will be worthwhile thank you for your understanding and support um so like nothing to say here other than just like blooper team is like it's not up to us konami will handle it um we haven't heard for like a from like a year i think since uh about that game but um i mean that's the whole re- that's the whole reason why you have a publisher like the the, the game yes. studio though to be fair they were uh doing their autumn sale thing when they're talking about the sales that were coming out and i know it's technically like little different things here because for like layers of fear of the medium is over. That's how this whole thing started. They're trying to like sell these games and these sales, right? Yeah. So they're like, what do you like? I guess what are you, what are you trying to say with that? Well, they're, they're like, these are things that you should buy from us. Here's an, like, do this. Like they're also kind of like trying to sell their stuff. So like they could also be like marketing the game too for, Oh, oh I see what you're Silent saying. Hill. Yeah, but, but that's not their, like, that's not their job. Said, like right. it's just not our job. Right. right? It's not. Um, Cause I think, I, I think the Bloober team published, the Those, medium i think Bloober, so. like like blooper team like internally published yeah um so yeah so it's like obviously that's up to them but obviously the town hill is <sighs> not um justin there's an article on a little website called dualshockers.com titled dualshockers most anticipated games coming in 2024 oh and um all of the editors were given a game or chose a game rather to write about um that is their most anticipated game of the year I would love to read you my entry for Silent Ooh, Hill 2 Remake. Let's, let's do... Oh, that's your most anticipated <laughs> game? This is by Peter Hunspitek, video lead. Okay, 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 okay. Silent Hill 2 is something of a white whale for fans of survival horror. Many will say that it was the best that's ever been made, but aside from its horrible HD remaster, it hasn't been ported to more modern consoles in a way that's faithful to its original design. Now, it's being remade exclusively for the PS5 by Bloober Team, the studio behind the Layers of Fear games and the Medium, among other things. And, well, anyone who's familiar with my taste in horror games knows how much I dislike the studio's works. My interest in the Silent Hill 2 remake is that of morbid curiosity. I know that it's dead on arrival, but I just need to know how Blooper Team kills it. (laughs) Or or maybe it'll be great. Who knows? I'm obviously hoping that the Silent Hill 2 remake will be able to perfectly capture the eerie atmosphere, chilling story, and rich themes of the original. But given who the studio behind it is, I'm not going to hold my breath. That said, I am looking forward to dissecting every inch of the game under a microscope to see how it measures up to the original. Even if it's not great, it'll still hopefully be better than the HD remaster, a game that infamously used Comic Sans as as its font of choice for several signs in the game. So at least there's that a low bar to clear, but at least an easy one. Most anticipated, Peter. 
<laughs> most, yeah, like, I'm curious. Most I, like, morbidly I, I, curious game. <laughs> yeah. I, can I say, I thought the, the line, I know it's dead on arrival, but I need That's to know how funny. Blue Team kills it. I That's think it's pretty, pretty good. good. That's a 10 out of 10 right there. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised they let me put that in this article. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, but like I said, like, I am curious. Like, I hope it's not bad. Like, obviously, I'm, I hope it's really good. Um, but I, I'm not, like, super confident on that. But um, there you go. Justin, uh, let's talk Game Awards for just a little bit here. Let's talk about, like, the Game Awards themselves. And then we'll get to, into the actual awards. Um, so two things. The first is that um, Jeff Keighley did, like, a Q&A, um, I think, with... Uh, was it? Oh, it's just a stream. Um, I, I thought it was with IGN. It's not. Um, but they did a did a Q and A stream to just answer some questions. And um, Jeff Keeley said this. Actually, you'll see this year we often put up those cards. This is about the um, the like the world premiere cards. Um, he said, actually, you'll see this year we often put up those cards. World premiere, world premiere. We're kind of moving away from that just because everything's kind of. Is it a first look? Is it an announcement? Etc. So we'll just treat it all as the same great game content. So <laughs> they're going to be getting rid of those world premiere cards, apparently, which I guess does make sense. We've talked at length on this show about like how those are a little confusing, but they do kind of help under like you understand like what is going to be like the first time we're seeing something versus like what is a trailer that we've already seen before. What do you think about that? I think world premiere is too vague for what I'm looking for because yeah. just because they show it for the first time, is it the first time it's that cut of the trailer? Is it the first time it's that screenshot? Is it the first time we hear the release date? Like, what is it telling me? It like, I, like I want to know before I see something what it is. And if it's just this is a new cut of a trailer, to me, that's not the same as this is a brand new first time announcement for this game. And it's right. to the point where it's just way too confusing. And it literally is almost like every other thing is world premiere, world premiere, world premiere, world premiere. And I just don't know what it means anymore. So I am not opposed to this. And why not try it out at the Game Awards? I first heard this headline and I'm like, does that mean they're just going to focus on the games? What a novel idea. They're just going to care about the awards. Um, but no, I remember this is something that Jeff Keighley needs to make money to keep doing the great work that he does. Yes. And, and it's interesting in like getting ready to go. Um, I, I needed to figure out what to wear because that's been sort of a conversation of debate and, <clears throat> and uh, a talking point at, in recent years about like, why are these executives sometimes who are showing up to receive pretty much like kind of like the Oscars for games? Like, why are they showing up in, in like graphic T-shirts? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and gym shoes. Um, so like in trying to figure out what I was going to wear, like I was trying to ex kind of explaining like this award show is hard because it wants to be the Oscars, but because it is so deeply in bed with wanting to also be like E3 and wanting to have like trailers and stuff like it can't be, it can't be the Oscars because they want to be doing these world premieres and trailers and stuff. And I, do not think that they will ever move away from that. The game awards specifically. Would you agree? Um, I don't think so. I, 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 yeah. I, I like that idea of it, but it is also a big commercial because this is not like right. backed by the Academy. This is literally a commercial for the games. Yeah. And I mean, like nothing shows that more than the fact that wasn't it last year, like the awards made up like 5% of the runtime or something like that. I don't remember what the number is. So it might be, I might be getting that incorrect, but it was like a pretty insignificant amount of the game awards. 
Um, and so and, many of them get announced before the show even starts. And but. so many of the awards, like we're going to spend way more time on half of these awards than get discussed at the actual yes. games. And yes. I mean, that to me is a little bit disappointing, but again, commercial. So Jeff can keep doing great things. Yes. Um, a man who truly loves hype. That is <laughs> Jeff Keighley for made better a career, influence. made a career out yes. of it. Some would say, Hey, uh, I, I like fun, exciting trailers, but I also don't need every single trailer to be like cuffed as if it's going to like a world premiere life. Yeah. I'm like, what's it going to be? And it's like nothing. <laughs> it's like just nothing. Um, it's like, we're doing a new MMO. Like I don't fucking nah, care. Oh my nah. gosh. Um, that said though, uh, uh, he did also talk about security. Um, he, uh, let me read this from this IGN article. It says when asked if they would add extra security measures to avoid stage crashers, Keeley confirmed that they were, but avoided going into specifics as to not give any potential stage crashers, any revealing information. Yeah, we are. He replied, we don't want to talk about that stuff too publicly just because it's security. So, um, hopefully, uh, uh, they are going to make it so that people can't just storm the stage like they did last year. And like, um, they did at summer game fest. Um, so I guess we'll see about that. Um, I, yeah, you, you would fucking, I, I you, you, you would fucking right. hope so. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, 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 I am going to be interested to hear, um, from your perspective, the security that you see at the yeah. game awards and like what you're going to have to go through because, you know, no, no offense, Peter. Did you get a background check before you got to the go to this thing? I, like, my boss bought two tickets, right? Like, and like, I was not involved with that process, <laughs> right, right? At all. So, like, the hope is that there would be something like some kind of like like vetting system to a certain degree, yeah. but. Um, like, I think I'm going to be bringing a backpack in. <laughs> like, oh. like I, assume, I assume that there's going to be like that sort of security, right? That's going to like look through everything. Well, whatever, I, I but hope, like, but I even go to these like sporting events and they like do, like, they put a stick in the bag and they're like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, I, I don't want to like worry you before like this happens, but like, I no, no, honestly, no, but it, it's just like, wh- like, <laughs> what are they going to do? You know, like they're like, yeah, I don't know. I Pe- don't know. Why can't people just be better? Well, but but this is also part of what I've, I've talked to people about with these things, but like they want this to be the Oscars, but they also want it to be um, a, a thing that you can buy tickets to. You can't buy tickets to the go to see the Oscars if you're just me and you, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you can't do that, but like you can for the game awards because they want to make money off of it. And because they want to kind of have it be this like open to the public event and not just like this press and industry event. But like that also comes with the fact that anyone can just go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe it's because it was the Summer Game Fest and not because it was the Game Awards. But like those two guys who, who ran up for Summer Game Fest, like they I, I hardly even saw anything about it. I, maybe it's because the shock value of someone doing that is over and because everyone's just kind of over it. But it might also just be because Summer Game Fest is less of a big deal, I think, than right now, at least than the Game Awards. But like uh, I would hope that that people are done with it. So, yeah. Let's hope for your sake. Yes. Yes, please. Um, Justin, let's talk game awards. So in our last bonus episode, we uh, gave our predictions for um, what is this? Uh, 15 categories and um, the four or five rather esports categories. Um, and so we're going to be talking about the remaining. What is that? Uh, let's take a look here. View all categories. How many categories are there? There are. 
um, 31 in total, which means 15, sorry, 20 minus 30, 11 categories are left. You okay. Just oh, fucking yeah. nail that. You, you, you did so good. Thank you so much, Justin. Um, and uh, I'm also seeing here that when I go to the, the voting website, it did not save any of the votes I cast. Oh, no. <laughs> did it save yours? Um, I don't think so. I, I didn't, I wasn't voting. I was just writing them on a separate document. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, mine are all gone. Um, <laughs> Your voice so we're gonna, we're gonna, truly doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not. So we're going to talk about, though, the more heavy-hitting ones. Um, let me just read you all of the ones that we we voted on already. Not voted. Uh, we're giving, giving our personal picks and our um, predicted picks. Uh, just as a little, as a little game for us. Um, so we've already covered the best eSport event, eSport coach, eSport team, eSport athlete, and eSport game. Additionally, we covered the um, content creator of the year, most anticipated game, best adaptation, best multiplayer, best sports slash racing, best sim slash strategy, best family, best fighting, best RPG, best action adventure, best action game, best VR slash AR, best mobile best debut indie game and best independent game so the other categories that we are going to be taking a look at here are i'm not going to read them out to you because you're about to hear them um but justin are, are you ready to dive right into it yeah let's let's jump on in um, so the first thing we have here is the best community support. So this is for recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. We have Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, and No Man's Sky. Um, it's worth pointing out that a lot of people were like, LOL, with Destiny 2 being on here, just given the fact that they uh, recently fired basically their entire social media community support team. Um, yeah, I imagine that is not going to win. No, I think the community, if anything, would be the first to like give them a down vote <laughs> with this. Yes. They're like, yeah, nah, now nah, we're not. Um, I think this one to me, it's I look for like the turnaround story for this. And for mm -hmm. me, the turnaround story of this year is Cyberpunk 2077 um, for for, you know, after all of its beginning and all of its negativity, um, we're to a point where people talk about Cyberpunk 2077 in a very positive light. I feel like this was the rebirth of that of that game this year. Um, and I think Cyberpunk is not only my personal pick, but I'm going to predict this be the winner by the games industry as well. However, I wouldn't be surprised if No Man's Sky won. <laughs> It won. It did win last year. Uh, yeah, and I think it won yeah. the year before that. It's won, I think, a few times. And I remember the first time it won in 2020, I think. The guy accepting it uh, was like, did not think he was going to win. <laughs> and it was like, oh, fuck. Like, um, thank you, everyone. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was No Man's Sky. I think Cyberpunk 2077 is what it's going to be. Um, I think Baldur's Gate 3, though, is probably my pick for this. Um I mean, they are, they're extraordinarily transparent. I don't know if you followed it at all, um, but like, you know, it's been in early access for several years. And, and I know that like they've done a lot of listening to the community and a lot of listening, like player feedback and stuff. So um, that's where I'm going to cast my vote. But I do think I agree with you that like, like it, damn cyberpunk, what a, like it, it had such a turnaround that like it's a part of the game awards now. And, and yeah. you don't get that for you don't get that for for small updates, right? Like I, a lot of it's like sort of like hedged as being for Phantom Liberty and stuff like that. But even then, like DLC very rarely gets um, like a, a big uh, uh, like update like that. A, a DLC rarely gets like big recognition from um, 
something like the Game Awards. So, um, Also, just a, a brief correction. Last year's community support winner was Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But No Man's Sky did win at it some point. It did. It did win. Like, when the, that was the big turnaround for it. That was, like, the yeah. moment when, like, oh, yeah, actually. Next up is best ongoing game awarded to a game for outstanding development of an ongoing co- of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. We've got Apex Legends, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite and Genshin Impact. Um, I kind of feel like Cyberpunk is a little out of place here because I wouldn't classify it as an ongoing game. I would sort of classify it as a game that's being fixed. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a live yeah. service game or anything like that. It's a game that has simply received a lot of updates, but I wouldn't call it an ongoing game. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it, it is not like, it is not a live service game in any of the way. It's been complete. They've just been, like, changing it to, like, get it ready and actually fucking playable. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Um, And then they came out with a new, I'm, again, I'm very confused with this DLC versus is it a new release or anything like that. I do not think Cyberpunk belongs here. Yeah, I agree. Um, my vote goes for Apex Legends for both my personal pick and my predictive pick. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know <laughs> like, this. I, I think my my call this year is going to be Fortnite um, for both. Um, and I do think it's because this was the year of the resurgence of Fortnite a little bit when they had the classic yeah, mode fair. come back. It was just the, the moment where I think people um, universally who used to be fans of it brought, were brought back to it. They remembered how much they liked it. Um, and it seems to be out of all these, the one that uh, has been the most loud on social media this year, not counting cyberpunk, which I feel like is a category out of place. Yes. Uh, agreed. Next up, we got games for impact for a thought provoking game with a pro social meaning or message. Um, I think this is, uh, actually interesting games are in here this year. I feel like this is often like sort of just relegated as like, lgbtq plus games you know um like this is like the bone that they're gonna throw those games which always feels a little like weird um that they sort of have to be relegated to their own category here um but this year there are some interesting games here that i think do not that lgbt plus games aren't that way but like i feel like just for the sake of having characters like that in a game doesn't necessarily make it like a thought-provoking game with a meaningful message you know what i mean yeah um but I think that this year um, they, they have a really solid uh, group of games that does do that. So we've got A Space for the Unbound, Chance of Senar, Goodbye Volcano High, Chia, Terranil, and Venba. Um, I've played three of these. I hope to play Goodbye Volcano High before the year is over. Um, we'll see if that happens. Um, but where, where do you fall with this? Um, for me, uh, I think I'm looking at this list here. And my personal pick is going to be very strongly um, going to be Venba. Um, I cannot imagine a game uh, that stuck with me quite as much as Venba did um, in terms of just this message. Um, it's a game that I, it would be one of those games I would recommend uh, most people who don't even play video games to play or touch or look at. Um, it is so bite-sized in terms of its size, uh, but the story itself is something that, you know, even if I don't feel the the exact story um, of, you know, being um, an immigrant in the struggles that an immigrant uh, mother has, but also like growing up um, with immigrant parents is also something that's a major theme there. I don't connect with that personally, but I do connect to uh, that relationship and that awkwardness sometimes with your parents mm-hmm. and looking at what your parents do for you and the sacrifices they make for you being a kid. Um, and it was something that I, I think most people can find something in this story. And for me, it was very impactful and very powerful. So my um, personal uh, pick um, is Venba uh, for that. And then my uh, 
predicted pick is going to be a space uh, for the Unbound. Um, this game came out in, mm, uh, was it early January? Like this was like, it's just the like a very beginning very, of very the year. Yeah. Um, and I think if anything, that's going to hurt it. Um, but I do think that this was a game that I heard um, a lot, a lot about uh, from the very beginning. And it is a game um, that uh, I wanted to uh, pick up and play. Um, I'm not 100% too sure about what it is, but it's basically, um, it's a relationship story about two people with kind of supernatural powers, if I'm correct with it. And it is an adventure tale um, that I would be interested in trying and playing. Sure, sure. I've um, I picked Chia here for my personal pick. I can't get over how much I love this game. It's just it's just such a delightful little little story made by people who are very clearly passionate about New Caledonia. Um, it, and I thought that like it, I don't know. It's got a lot of cool stuff in here. Um, but uh, I I think Venba is probably what's going to win in my opinion. I, I saw a lot of people talk about Venba. Like the reason I played Venba was because everyone was talking about it for like a week. You know what I mean? Because and you, yeah, like there, like everyone. It seemed like a bunch of people got to play it for a review, and everyone was like, "Hey, it's an hour, go play it." And that's why I did it, right? Um, I, I think it got a little bit more uh, 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 screen time. Is that the right word? Or like just a little bit more press than some of these other games? Um, but sorry, Chance of Senar, you're my love. But uh, <laughs> and the winner is Chance of Senar. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> um, I also don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I guess that has a pro social message about like we're better together and the things that divide us are, are less Words. important than the things uh, yeah. than the word than the way we're similar yep, yep, or yep. the things that are we're similar are more important than the ways that we're divided but um next up we got innovation in accessibility recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features technology and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience um, Diablo 4, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Mortal Kombat 1 and Street Fighter 6. What do you think? Uh, for me, it's uh, it's Spider-Man 2. I always feel like Sony goes above and beyond with this kind of stuff. Um, and as someone who just was exploring those categories, um, I think it uh, I was it changed the game in a very positive way. Um, and this is with my own personal kind of like, I, I don't normally go through accessibility menus that frequently other than putting on subtitles and making sure I can see the subtitle text. That's the only thing I normally do. Yeah. But this one, when I was really like diving into that, like just the way for an action game like that, it allowed me to change the game, um, and make it something that was fun for me and playable for me. It made that platinum go from something that I've been frustrated with trying not to get hit, um, by those stupid enemies that would randomly come out of nowhere, um, to something that it was a fun experience for me and i was just shocked that it was it was that good and able to do that yeah no i, I agree I, I think i'm i'm going for spider-man here for both categories as well um i mean just like the the sony first party accessibility options that they have are great i think um i think in this game too i know the last of us part one had this but i think in this game as well you can have um an on-screen asl interpreter which is like amazing i don't know like that's such an interesting like way to convey that so instead of having to read subtitles or whatever you can if you're if you speak you're not speaking yourself you sign um you can do that which which i think is pretty cool um especially because spider-man 2 like a main character is deaf and and you know does you do have those experiences in the game and, and all that sort of stuff and i just think it's kind of cool um although I, I do if i'm remembering correctly there was a lot of cool stuff in hi-fi rush for being able to let you play even if you are a little bit more like um if you're not like very in tune with music and like like playing to a beat or something like that 
um there's a lot of cool stuff in there but um yeah spider-man 2 is where i'm gonna go also i want to i do want to clarify i feel like i worded it very poorly so like let me know if i'm if i don't need to say anything here games for impact stuff like it's a great category i just feel like it's a shame that like so many games that are like lgbt like forward just get sort of like shut into this one category like did i say that properly like did you understand no, what no, I meant there? yeah it, yeah i think it totally makes sense yeah okay cool and obviously that like those sorts of games are good and important and whatever. It's just weird that it's just like, and here's the category for gay people. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Anyway. The haters. Um, that's how the haters phrase it online. Yes. Um, I do. I loved when games for impact was always sponsored by subway. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> they now have a 15 footer. They used to do that. The 15 foot at subway. I think that's a new thing. Is it a 15 foot subway? How many foot of a, how many feet of a sandwich do you think you could eat? Like of Subway, not many. Do you think you can do two feet of Subway sandwiches? Two? No, I don't. Jimmy John's, good. yeah. Sure. I would. I would fuck with all the Jimmy John's Subway. It, like even like the smell of that bread brings me back to very negative places. <laughs> very fair. Very yeah, very very yeah. fair. Um, next up here is best performance awarded to an individual for voiceover acting, motion, and or performance capture. Ben Starr as Clive Rossfield. In Final Fantasy 16, Cameron Moynihan as Cal Kestis in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. That's my boy. Idris Elba as Glimzo Swordbust in Cyberpunk 2077, The Phantom Liberty. Um, wait, hold on a second. What is his character's name? Did you make that up? Yeah. I believe you 100%. Glimzo um, Swordbust. <laughs> like Solomon that. Reed. Okay. Oddly similar. Sword bus. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> so uh, uh, it just helped as uh, Glimzo Sword Bus in Cyberpunk 2077's <laughs> The Phantom Liberty. Um, Melanie Liebert as Saga Anderson in Alan Wake 2. Neil Newbin as a Starian in Baldur's Gate 3. And Yuri Lowenthal as Spider Man in Marvel's Spider Man 2. I think um, someone who should be in here who is not in here is, um, forgetting his name, um, the guy who played. Uh, 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 Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. I, I, I um, would I would agree, but I think that that proves to people that he was a bit underwritten in that particular game. Um, Najee Jeter, by the way, yeah. is his name. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, and he gets sidelined pretty hard. But uh, where do you where do you fall with this? Uh, it's rough for me. Um, I, I like on social media. I've seen Ben Starr do a lot of just funny things. Like he's he's doing a lot of like other characters, like in his voice. Like I, I'm pretty sure in his Clive voice, like I'm pretty sure he has been someone who has gotten a lot of like extra popularity after um, uh, Final Fantasy came out. Do you what was he yes. in anything else? Um, almost certainly. Let me take a look. But he like he has he has like become beloved from all of this. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, he was not, uh, no, not really actually. I mean, he's been in a handful of TV things for an episode or so. He was in a show called Jamestown for like, it looks like a season. Um, he was in some movies, but not many. And only two of two of the four of them have Wikipedia pages, but he's like, <laughs> plays a character called sniper in survivor. So I can't Ooh. imagine that he's particularly at the, at the front of that. Um, and then in video games, he just did Final Fantasy 16. That was his first. And then um, Arcanites, which, oh, this is um, like a free-to-play uh, uh, anime game. Um, Don't just say that dismissively. Free-to-play anime is, is awesome, man. 
It's awesome. Just watch porn, guys. Just you can just watch porn. It's free. Um, you don't have to play these games. <laughs> well, not all. Not all of it's free. I guess that's true. Um, I suppose that's that's fair. But mm. uh, yeah, so he's he's new to gaming uh, with with Final Fantasy 16. Uh, but he's he's a big he's a big Final Fantasy fan. People love this guy. Uh, that said, I don't think he. Like he gives a good performance, but like compared to the other people on here, I, like I, he's not my pick. My personal pick is Melanie Libbard or Liebert for uh, Saga Anderson in Alan Wake Two. I just think that's such an incredible character there, um, and I, I think she does a fantastic job uh, playing it. Um, but I think Neil Newbin is going to win as Astarian um, in a game full of incredible characters and incredible voice acting. Um, he like stands out as an absolute highlight. He's not even a character that I personally particularly like. Like we just don't get along and we don't like see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, but like, damn, if, if Neil Newbin is not giving it his all there, but yeah, um, I, I, Neil Newbin is the one that I would say, because I'm, I'm hearing a lot of like thirst for him, um, online in his character. Yes. Um, was he a vampire too? Um, that is a reveal, but it's also like the most, well, yeah, it's the most, well, yeah, reveal like they okay. try and tre- treat it like it's some secret like, that comes in a little bit. Ways yeah, in. yeah, yeah. But he's he's like, like kind of like dancing around it. I'm like, no, you, like if you walk like a vampire like, and you talk uh, like a vampire. I was sharpening yeah. my fangs all the night. When he's got the teeth. Um, yeah, he's got the teeth, and he's like dressed like an old timey. Yeah, I was like, yeah, man. I yes. Yeah, I think the hype around um, him is so high um, that I would say it's him. But my personal one of these. Um, I'm gonna say Cameron Monaghan uh, is uh, Monaghan Mon Monang Monangham is gonna be mine. Uh, I just think uh, when I'm looking at that game, I think he did such interesting things in that game throughout the whole time. Um, I think there's a couple of missed moments, but I think that's more of a narrative thing, um, n- not so much a his performance thing. But there's so many times when he brings such complex subtle emotions to a scene um, that he is just always interesting to watch. The moment that I think is a little bit disappointing is the moment where it's like to to embrace the dark side. I feel like yeah. that part is more about the, you need to get that gameplay mechanic there, not so much on him. Um, but I do feel like his whole internal struggle is what that game is for me. Yeah, hard to blame him though specifically when I, like to me it's a writing, it's a gameplay thing. Right, exactly. You know I mean? it's, it's the way it, it's not a, an issue with him. But and, yeah. and I remember sitting there at that moment for a long time trying to make sure that I didn't have to do that, but there gave me no choice. I had to, yeah. in fact, I had to, in fact, um, uh, embrace the truth. Embrace the truth. Or, no, no, embrace, embrace the, darkness. the darkness. Yeah, I had embrace to. the truth is Final Fantasy Six. <laughs> Or face the truth, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, best audio design, recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design. We've got Alan Wake 2, Dead Space Remake, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4. And I'll be honest with you, man. Um, it's it's tough to go for me between Hi-Fi Rush and Dead Space 2, but I'm going to go for Dead Space. Uh, not Dead Space 2, Hi-Fi Rush and Dead Space. Um, for me, it <laughs> is Dead Space. Um, that is a game that, like, you walk into a room and there's no enemies in it, but you hear something and it it is <laughs> just as it is scarier than anything that could come out of the room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and it is it, the sound design is really, I think, what makes that uh, game feel so alive and, and come so alive in terms of like everything that it's doing. Um, 
that that is where it is i mean it's exceptional in a lot of areas but like that is where it stands above everything else that came out this year in my opinion i mean what a fucking tough category like this one is i mean really and truly it super is i mean um let me just speak going to the game uh resident evil 4 like what they do with the creepiness in that game and the background sound effects and all this kind of stuff i think is just immaculate i think the gun sounds pops are great um so many things in that game i think are done brilliantly uh spider-man um, I think the Spider-Man's greatest F, like uh, error is the fact that Spider-Man has already been done before um, in terms of this game yeah. design. Um, I feel like a lot of the coolness is just like we're doing it again in Spider-Man. Hi-Fi Rush, the whole thing is about like mirroring the gameplay with the sound, and it's literally part of the design. Literally, the audio design is part of it. Yeah. Um, and then Dead Space is just one of those like squishy, crunchy kind of games that is you know atmosphere is, is half of that game. Um, but going with Alan Wake 2, um, I'm leaning towards Alan Wake 2 because I know that this game is incredibly popular, um, and I know that Remedy has done some awesome, crazy things with a lot of its uh, sound in the past, and this is me just going off of someone who's looking at afar from this kind of stuff, but, I mean, part of that game is that whole vibe, and it is so creepy, and it is so unique and different from literally everything else that I can think of. The only thing that really stands out as being different next to Alan Wake would be Hi-Fi Rush to me, but I think Alan Wake is so much into the atmosphere of that game, and I think yeah. sound gets you gets you there. Um, uh, so I, I'm going to say Alan Wake two for that for both my predicted and personal pick. Uh, hand in hand with best audio design is best score and music. Now this is the category for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song and or licensed soundtrack. So we've got Alan Wake two Baldur's Gate three final fantasy 16 hi-fi rush and the legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom. Um, (laughs) now I can't, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Justin. I just want to say, to truly understand this category, you need to have played Alan Wake 2. But, like, is Don't Fear the Reaper in it? <laughs> it's not. But, I... Have you heard anything about this? Or no? no, 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 not yet. Then not I'm yet. not... I won't say anything. Let me just say, to fully understand this category, Justin... I need, need to play Alan Wake to 2. play <laughs> Alan Wake 2. And I'm worried... I'm going to be honest with you, Justin. Yeah. I'm worried that the game awards that something might happen at the game awards that might give you more context for what I'm talking about before you've played it. Okay. Um, I don't be, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm going to play it by the time the game awards comes I, out. I don't think you will either. And, and I don't think if you do, you'll get to the point what I'm talking about. Do you think that moment is like the, that is part of the moment? What do you mean? Like this, the, the, the sound the score is part of the moment. Yes. Okay. Well, yes. I would say adamantly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, if it's Hey Ya by outcast, I'm going to be so fucking happy. Is it? Hey, it ya, is by, hey ya by outcast. Like, can you imagine? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's quite good. Um, let me say this. I think I am torn between uh, Alan Wake two and hi-fi rush Alan Wake two. Um, does not have as much of the incredible audio as Hi-Fi Rush, although at the end of each chapter, there are these um, songs that play uh, that are written specifically for the game. There's a new metal rap track performed by Mr. Scratch uh, in one of these uh, uh, end of chapter songs. And um, if you uh, made a made a person that that was for, it would be me, motherfucker. Um, (laughs) Are you kidding me? 
uh, uh, Lincoln Park ass song performed by <laughs> the Alan Wake voice actor as Mr. Scratch. Yeah, that's right up my alley. Um, but I'm also talking about the uh, moment that I'm talking about here. Uh, it is truly one of the best moments of a uh, video game I've played in a very long time. Um, that I've revisited several times because it is just that good. That So that's my personal pick. Hi-Fi Rush, I think, is going to win um, based on what a good soundtrack. Mm. And the game is the soundtrack. Mm. Not only are the licensed song, needle drop moments, incredible beating bosses to the t- to the tales of, of nine, to the tunes of Nine Inch Nails, like resonates with me so deeply. Um, but like also the tracks that they wrote for that game are fucking mm-hmm. hits and bangers. Um, but yeah, for me, it's Alan Wake 2, but I think Hi-Fi Rush will win. Um so my personal pick is Tears of the Kingdom. Nothing is going to beat the last few minute moments of that game and how that music is just oh, done. That is so true. Absolutely so perfectly. True. And like it started with the the trailer when that last trailer came out for Tears of the Kingdom. Like mm-hmm. that music, I like that was such a beautiful score. I'd listen to it on a repeat. It just made me get all the goose pimples and feels I could ever want. Um, it was like great stuff. Uh, so my personal pick in terms of me getting the goosebumps would be Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but I know people are fucking crazy about Final Fantasy. And some of the remixes and the orchestral uh, arrangements in Final Fantasy 16, I think are awesome. Um, I think they remix so much of what people know about Final Fantasy and they put a new sound to it. Um, and I think uh, with so much about Final Fantasy 16 almost being like the origin of Final Fantasy... Uh, it, it feels like with a lot of like the um, summons and things like that. Um, I don't know. I think that there's so much classic music and uh, packaged in a new and unique way um, in Final Fantasy 16. I think people love it so much, Final Fantasy itself, um, that I think that is going to push that category on top of everything, um, and that's going to win. I uh, I hear what you're saying. Next up is best art direction for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation. Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, for me, uh, my personal and predicted picks, it's Alan Wake with a bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that's not to say any of these other games don't look good or don't have incredible art direction. They obviously very much do, um, but I've played games that look like all these other games before. I, that's not to say that they don't look good and incredible examples of the games that they look like, but Alan Wake 2 have never played anything like before. It's amazing. Um, it blends the FMV stuff that Remedy has been sort of doing uh, for years now, but in a way that feels really natural and interesting. Whereas I feel like in all their previous games, like you've had these like, oh, you're playing Control and oh, there's a TV screen that's playing an FMV thing or, Oh, you can watch that puppet show. And that's very upsetting, but like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's like removed from the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Like you're not interacting with that in the game. It is sort of just like, Oh, you can stand and watch a screen. And yeah, there's some of that in Alan Wake too. Um, but the other, the other parts that are like integrated are, are just truly fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm going to hit with Alan Wake 2. I mean, that game is about vibes. That game is about everything. It is yep. just a, such a unique thing. I can not put my finger on a game like Alan Wake. And I think, again, this goes back to my experience with Remedy. Um, Remedy itself, I cannot put my finger on a on a, on a company like Remedy in terms of like what they can do and the art that they achieve and the vibes that they feel, that they make me feel. Um, it is such a unique uh, part of such a unique design. I love it a lot. Um, Alan Wake, I think is going to deservedly win both personal and predictive pick for me. Yes, I, uh, I do agree. Uh, best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. We got Alan Wake two, Baldur's gate three, cyberpunk 2077, the phantom Liberty, 
Final Fantasy 16, Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Um, for my personal pick, I'm going to say, like, just to change it up a little bit, I'm going to say Baldur's Gate 3. Um, because what a what an interesting experience from a narrative perspective. What we were sort of talking about earlier in this episode, right? Like, yeah, you can you can take a look at some of those conflicts and say this could go one of two ways, right? Uh, or you can say, what about this third option? And then you get to the third option, and then it branches out from there and it gets even bigger and bigger and bigger. And the narrative like thrust is put into the hands of the player, and the narrative is truly like decided by you, and how it goes is completely in your hands. And that's I think done in a way in Baldur's Gate 3 that I've never really seen before. Um, it is It makes good on the promise of games like Mass Effect have made, but those games tend to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more funneled, and like it feels really big, and, and like you're choosing all these things in your first playthrough, but then you go back and play again, and you're like, oh, actually it doesn't branch that far. Um, Baldur's Gate 3, I think, is making good on all that, um, but I, what I think is going to win is Alan Wake 2. Um, that is a game that plays with the idea of what a story is. It ta- it does that both in narrative and in gameplay. It messes around with like, w- like what a story can be, what a narrative is, what a hero is, what the like what is required of those things as narrative devices. And I think that's really interesting and innovative. And I think a lot of people are going to recognize that. Yeah, I think the fact that, um, you know, Alan Wake 2, you're an author in it, and you're literally writing about things, and I think that's such an interesting angle to all of this. Um, However, uh, the thing that really gets me about this, and I know this is a a word category, outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. I can't think of a better game that has created more unique and interesting stories than Baldur's Gate 3 this year. Like, everyone has a different story. You go back and you play that game again, you are going to have a different story. Your story is different in your playthrough versus the one you're doing um, with Elena. Like, I think it's totally a different experience, and I I think a game to um, embrace that kind of creativity and openness in a narrative and it not fall apart. Again, I don't know where it ends, you don't know where it ends, but, like, it doesn't fucking matter how many people actually finish their D&D campaigns. Um, I don't think that's the important thing. the fact that you literally it's about that journey right? it's that journey that you literally can be do anything you want in a way that I think most games can't do um, and they have answers and, and and ways for you to experience that I think that is that's a master class in games and I think that's the thing that's going to bring me to that game and that's the thing that gets you past shitty controls and I think it's a lot of other people past shitty controls is the, how good that storytelling is um, and the choice that you get to be a part of that story um, for me, my personal pick, though, and this this is just with what I played, um, my personal pick is going to be um, uh, Jedi Survivor. Um, I know it's not on this list, but like... Oh, I was no. like, was that on the <laughs> No, it's okay. not on the list. Jedi Survivor is my personal pick, but it's not on the list. I think Final Fantasy 16 um, for me, in terms of how epic that is, um, in terms of how well-developed of a world it is and how interesting they, they kind of took the Final Fantasy genre and they really bring you in with a cool interesting story and that game is 100% to me about story the gameplay is is fine the the story and the characters are what brings me into that game I haven't finished it and I know you are a little disappointed with where it goes um my goal is that's one of the games I want to finish this year um I don't know if I will um but just because I know it's a long undertaking to do and I might you know just kind of like look ahead a little bit to see like where it goes but um it just gives me such game of throw thrones vibes that even knowing i don't like how game of thrones ended the journey to get to that ending was well worth it um plus the uh what's the name of the the in-game uh tech stuff i'm trying to remember what that was was called active, like active, time, time, lore. active time lore active time yes. lore. yeah yeah so, I think. so here's the deal i think that stuff is cool 
I think Alan Wake 2 does a similar thing with like active time lore where when you're playing the Saga Anderson stuff, you're putting up uh, uh, like pictures on like a cork board and like making it all connect. And she kind of gives you a summary to, to make sure that you are like on board with what is happening and why and who everyone is. That's really cool. And I don't think that's clunky. I don't think it's I think it's really done really well in Alan Wake 2. I think it's done all right in um, Final Fantasy 16 just because it is confusing and it just provides a great way to just say, hey, here's what is going on with the story where I think the narrative really fumbles in Final Fantasy 16 is eventually you have the active time lore, but also like, I don't know, pretty frequently, maybe five times you have to go talk to the his, like the history person. And she's basically like, Hey, here's what the story is right now. Like it is so clunky where like, it, like what you are going to go do next is totally f- like entirely removed from what you as the player are doing in that moment. And like what you're going through, then they're just like, Hey, here's what's actually going on in the world and what you're going to go do next. And it's just like told to you very plainly in a way that is completely uninteresting. And it's just like a lore dump. It's disappointing and uninteresting in my opinion. Um, and then it's also just not aided by where I think the story goes, but, um, tis just my opinion. Um, best game direction awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Um, I love this category cause it's just like, what the fuck guys? <laughs> like, like people think like, does this mean like best game director? That's not a thing. Like you can have like a director in a film who's like oversees everything in a way that's a lot more granular than what you can do with a video game. Video games, like you can't really have auteurs, um, like with the, the size that games are, um, this is just it, it, this is a sort of a category that I feel like is is kind of up in the air every year. But we've got Alan Wake two, Baldur's Gate three, Spider Man two, uh, Super Mario Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. My personal pick and my predicted pick are for Alan Wake two, a game that is weird on every level, and it feels like every person who was involved with it um, was directed to be as weird as possible as well. Yeah, I mean, this goes with the whole like art direction of this game. The the art the sorry the um not art design the uh, art direction. Yeah, um, art direction is about direction, and and Alan Wake is about direction from so many different levels from the um the the live action stuff mixing with the actual like gameplay of stuff. And again, none of the games look quite like that. None of the games feel quite like that. And I think that's a testament to Remedy and what they do in terms of their games and their direction. So um, Alan Wake 2 with a bullet for me, for both. Final category, Hmm. game of the year. Recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. I feel I, I don't want to give too much away for our uh, our game of the year discussion. I've been literally but, waiting the whole episode for this, Peter. Like I didn't ask you when you were talking about Baldur's Gate. I didn't get into that. Um, but I also know that in addition, you have Alan Wake 2 and Tears of the Kingdom there. So right now, today, your personal pick, Peter, what is it going to be, Peter? What could it be? Alan Wake what could ba- it possibly be Alan Wake Tears of the Kingdom and I might say Baldur's Gate gets put into that lump for you. Um it is Alan Wake 2. Okay. Is my predicted pick is my personal pick and I think uh I think given the temperature of the room that I've seen for Alan Wake 2, I think it's going to win. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I think Baldur's Gate is going to win. Um, I want to talk more about this in a second, but I'm curious about your uh, picks. Sorry, my personal pick, Alan Wake, what I think is going to win, Baldur's Gate. Uh, I think if Tears of the Kingdom doesn't win uh, this category, it's because of recency bias. Because remember when it came out. Remember how big of yes. a moment that was. Remember how mainstream of a moment that was. I think yes. Baldur's Gate is big. I think Baldur's Gate is one of those games that a lot of people talk about and love in a way that most people wouldn't expect them to talk about and love. Um, but I think right now the people who are keeping that game alive are not the average person. Um, I think a lot of the people keeping that game alive are, are hardcore video game fans. Much like the people who say Alan Wake 2 is their game of the year, um, I think are much more hardcore video game fans. Tears of the Kingdom was something that it, it was Elden Ring level of everywhere you look. It was, You could yeah. not not find stuff about Tears of the Kingdom. And it was like that for quite some time, for at least a month uh, of constantly getting updates of stuff. And I am still so... Um, impressed and proud that people did not spoil some of the big reveals in that game online uh, with how much I saw this game. I am shocked I didn't see some of the major twists that that game presents in there. Um, And I think this game is better in almost every single way than Tears of the Kingdom uh, was. Not Tears of the Kingdom, the Breath of the Wild was. Mm-hmm. It is improved upon it, and in fact, it's improved upon things in ways I wouldn't even have expected um, to do that. And much like I think Baldur's Gate has such a good like open-ended narrative that you can kind of create whatever, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom creates so many cool stories that you create yourself. You create what that game is. You can create that background story about everything involved in there. Um, and there's just so much. That game is just so dense that I think, you ask me, I haven't played Alan Wake 2 yet. I do not think Alan Wake 2 is going to topple that. I am going to give it the gentleman's go, though. I am going to try it. Um, and I will beat that game by the end of the year because I do know it is a game that you think is very high. And I want to be able to put those games next to each other. But I think Tears of the Kingdom did the impossible. Um, and it made a game that I thought was good look bad in comparison to it because I, it's hard to go back to Breath of the Wild. Tears of the Kingdom is just so massive and is just so amazing that um, I think it is a masterclass of video game design, um, a masterclass of so many different things that um, it's, it's, uh, it's my game of the year. And I think if people can overlook recency bias, it will be the Game Awards game of the year too. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Fuck. Uh, it's it's, you're, it's you're hard. Having... It is really hard. And I think... To me, I'm... Yeah, go on. No, no. You, you, it's your turn. I've talked too much. I'm looking at three games that are 10 out of 10s, yep. in my opinion. Yep. And it's like, how do you how do you choose that? You know what I mean? Yep. Like, that's so difficult. And then what sucks is then I'm looking at a game that's a 9 out of 10 for me, which is <laughs> Spider-Man 2. I'm looking at a game that's probably like... A, like a really strong seven for me, which is Resident Evil four. And then I'm looking at a game that like, eh, it's just one for me, uh, Mario Bros. Wonder, you know what I mean? So, but like, uh, how do you choose in a, in a, in a list of 10 out of 10s? Like what, how do you, where do you go? You know what I mean? Uh, so, I, I think you, I, I think that's why it's going to be one of those things about uh, recency bias to a certain degree. Um, yeah. and I think Alan Wake's pool of people is much smaller than Baldur's Gate. Um, and I think Baldur's Gate did peek into the mainstream a little bit more, mostly because you have a lot more thirst behind some of those characters. <laughs> Fair. But you got to remember who's, who's voting on these though, that this is, this is the vote that we just cast is only a small percentage of, of the, what the, uh, uh, 
what like the results are going to be. It's, it's not a popular vote. You know what I mean? It's it's a vote on um, uh, 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 by a panel of of industry uh, uh, leaders, right? So it's like a website like like Digital Trends or Game Ranks or or IGN or Giant Bomb or whoever gets to vote on these, and those are the people who are actually deciding this. So like. I don't know. Jeez. Well, like, and, and that being said, I think there's more crossover between Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate fans than there would be Zelda fans. That might just be my fair. own brain. Um, but I think it goes to me that that Zelda is a safe bet because I don't think it's polarizing. Like, I honestly don't I'll think say, people are going to be like, oh, I hate that game. Like, I, I don't know. If I had to recommend one of these games, I'd recommend Tears of the Kingdom. You know what I mean? Like, like if I had to just make a general recommendation to anyone, I would probably say Tears of the Kingdom. Um Depends on who I'm but, talking to. Like, but I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if I have to personalize the recommendation, yeah, I, because I think that there's I, someone, I, something I might, here, I but. might say if you ask me on like a general sense, oh fuck, I don't even know. Uh, like, I, uh, uh, I for whatever reason, Spider Man is sticking out to me as like a very general sense recommendation. Me too, though. It's like if if I had to recommend any of these two of these games to just if I didn't know who I was recommending them to, I'd say Tears of the Kingdom and Spider Man. Yep which obviously that's not my pick for the best game of the year, but I think it's just like gaming fans are going to really get a lot out of Alan Wake two fans of like RPGs are going to get a lot out of Baldur's Gate three, but isn't that crazy how I still have to play two of these games before the end of the year that are like two of the best games of the fucking year. What a world I live in. What a beautiful world. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I really, I don't know how they figured out which six games to do this year. Um, I thought that they were going to I thought that they were going to just say we're doing 10 games this year um, <laughs> just to include everything. But uh, they did not. But that I think just about wraps it up for us here at Hitbox. Thanks for sticking around um, for kind of a deluxe episode here for a, a longer episode. But I, I thought it was, you know, we, we talked about like, hey, it'd be kind of cool to share our, our picks for for these bigger categories for game awards with with everyone outside of just our, our deluxe Patreon producers. That said, if you want to become join their ranks, the likes of Dave Parker, Jane Null, and GKS, you can certainly do so. Patreon.com slash hitbox pod, become a $3 deluxe podcast producer, or, you know, just a $1 uh, podcast producer. Those $3 deluxe podcast producers, though, they do get an additional 30-minute bonus episode every single week for their listening pleasures. Um, so if you are interested in that, you can hop on over there. If not, all good. Join our Discord server the link to that is in the description of this episode you can also follow us on twitter at hitbox pod or rate this podcast in this in your podcast player of choice but that's all i got for housekeeping justin am i missing anything at the end they need an award for best moment of the year it would go to alan wake too for the moment i'm talking about and i'm not kidding you hands know, down i i you you, you uh, what do you got the end of tears of the kingdom that's a moment for me it's a great moment it's a great moment for sure justin is it as good as the moment that is in Alan Wake too. It's not. I, need I will to never play forget. It. I need to play I will it. never forget. And you'll know. And here's the thing. You're going to be playing the game and you're going to be like, is this it? And like everyone who's played the game right now is like, no, you'll know. And like, you'll be like, is this, is this the moment he's talking about? And I'm like, nope. If you have to ask, no. <laughs> can't wait. I, can't I hope, wait. I hope it is not spoiled at the game awards. I selfishly, I hope it is. I don't know how to explain uh, it. So I, I, I can't, yeah. Like, can they spoil it at the game awards? Like, is yes. it going to be okay? Like, will I assume, will I know what they're talking about? Yes. Okay. You'll go, is this the moment that they were talking about that you, Peter was talking about? And you'll know. Okay. okay. Cause you go, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. okay. Why is this happening? All right. And if the game awards is smart, they'll do this. Cause it'll go viral on social media. 
is Mark Wahlberg pop up in it? Yes, he does. Yes! As as the fucking guy from Uncharted. Yeah. Oh, uh, Sully? <laughs> it's yeah, Sully. Sully. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. We will catch you next week. Before we go, always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs>